Hour number two of Darren, Donick, and Chase from here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Sobro entrance, Bridgestone Arena. And we are normally live from the Wholesale Inc. studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Now, today, we want to make sure that you know, Predators and the San Jose Sharks coming your way tonight at 7, pregame at 6 here on 102.5 The Game. Where is Darren McFarland, you ask? Chase McCabe, do we have any reports? No reports. From Smyrna. I have uh, have nothing so far. I will I will send uh, the uh, the investigation text right now, and we will find out. And see how Darren is doing. Invest, investig- I don't even know how I would <laughs> word that. But I will investigate. So I will find You're out. You're launching an investigation. I am launching an investigation. Okay. Well, do you do that. The Sharks are in town. Very intriguing matchup. Two teams that have a long history against one another. Two teams that definitely would have uh, a lot of support arguments for being front runners in the Western Conference, contenders in the Western Conference. Sharks are 0-3, having been beaten twice by their arch nemesis, the Vegas Golden Knights, who the Predators will play in Vegas next week. Uh, they are 0-3. You get to go to Vegas. Predators 1-1, frustrating loss on Saturday in which they felt they were the better team. Let it get away. We'll see if they can bounce back. Um, we'll get you some reports from the morning skate here in a little bit. David Poyle will join us at 11-15. We're looking forward to uh, to that conversation, that will be something that happens every week uh, on the show. They had and, an optional skate today. Yes, the and so I, I don't anticipate any big changes. Uh, do you? I, I, um, I think probably Pecorine back in back yeah. in goal. I would I would assume. Uh, yeah, I don't think you change change any personnel. Um, maybe move some stuff around on the lines, but I don't. I even doubt see it. that. Why, you but know? why? I mean, yeah. I love the lines the way they have I been. Think they've they, been working so. I'd I don't be really surprised. Think, I don't really think there's much you can change. I am um, I am curious of when we might see Daniel Carr. I, I just yeah. because he's been a, a scratch the first two games. I the way things are going right now, I don't know if you see him anytime soon. But, Probably not. Um, you know, and, and then the defense I think stays the same. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't really think they change much. Um, let's let people know too how they can win tickets because all you've got to do is come by here uh, to Pete and Terry's Tavern. If you want to have something to eat, we've got some great lunch specials. The food is excellent here. But also your chance to win tickets tonight if you just drop by. Yep. All you have to do is come by here, Pete and Terry's Tavern, uh, like this gentleman, like this is gentleman doing right, right here. now. He's doing it, yeah. And you sign up. You don't have to be present to win. You just have to come in here and sign up, though. And uh, at 1245 and 145, we will draw out of the hat. Well, it's not actually a hat, but we'll make a drawing, and we'll give away two pair of tickets, two pairs of tickets on this show. And then the afternoon show will do the same thing. So if you come in now and you register, you have four chances to win. Four chances to win. Four chances That's better to win. than one chance. Four chances better than one chance. Yes. Guy's name Chance is a – I've been called uh, Chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been called Wiley. As, <laughs> yeah, as yes, you, know. you have. Yeah, so uh, come in and register. And then also they have lunch specials here, 1250. We'll get you a burger and a beer here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Yes. So uh, the general manager coming up uh, at – in the next segment, so make sure you hang for that. Uh, Chase, last night, Monday Night Football, uh, you know, it's just interesting to keep perspective on what's going on around the league. You have a team like the Browns that was hyped up a lot, got absolutely destroyed uh, last night in San Francisco, and all of a sudden, the 49ers are 4-0 and looking like they are a team to be reckoned with. It's not just Garoppolo's back. 
their defense has played outstanding football. They, they completely have, shut down the Browns. Completely you, shut them down. I think you were out when we did the preview of the NFC West. And I remember saying, you know, like, because everybody wants to pick L.A. Because L.A. went to the Super Bowl and they're still going to be pretty good. Seattle hanging around. And it's like, what's the deal with San Francisco? Because Arizona probably, you know, not going to be good. What's the deal with San Francisco? I remember saying, hey, if Jimmy G is what everybody thinks he's going to be and Shanahan is what everybody thinks he's going to be, they're going to be pretty good. And so far, that seems to be the case. That's a fun division because you have three legitimate teams, you know, battling each other. And look, it's going to, you're going to probably have, you know, as the season goes on, you're going to have some teams pull away and some teams fall out. But Seattle's pretty good right now. I mean, Russell Wilson playing the game of, you know, the, yeah, the games di- of his that life. That division has become all of a sudden very, yeah, very in, balanced. In, in LA, his, you know, I would say of those three teams in that division, you know, I, I probably go how they're rated. I mean, LA's lost two games, so San Francisco, Seattle, LA, and I would I would give San Francisco just a little bit of an edge over the Seahawks right now as the best team in that division. So in, and and the way the the ratings go, San Francisco's already had the bye. So they're four and oh. Seattle has played five games, as has LA. So I I you know, I think I think that's gonna be a fun one to watch down the stretch. There's a lot of time. We're one quarter of the way through the season, basically. Um, so it will shake out. But the 49ers, are, you know, I, the defensive line, Bosa added to what they've already had there is is certainly making a difference. They were written off, out of sight, out of mind. Nobody really watched them last year once Garoppolo went down. But I think they, behind the scenes, have done a pretty good job fortifying and preparing themselves for when – this moment came when they got him back. Yeah. Right? So that's that's a big story. And meanwhile, where do the Browns go? Like the the, the, yeah. the Titans were talking about all these things. I, I do think the Titans Baker Mayfield still have, have a chance game. to be good. I, I, I really believe the Titans still there. The, the Browns, with all the talent, what what is – they don't look very cohesive at all. Like they've, they've been smashed a couple times. Yeah, and that that's going to be a, a big concern troubling. for them. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, all this hype, all this hype with them, and eh, this is what you get. You can't even score a touchdown <laughs> on Monday Night yeah. Football. So, I, I thought it was a uh, you know, good crowd last night in San Francisco. I was There was a lot they, going they on. They looked jacked up. There was a lot going on on Monday yeah, night for yeah, me, so I was flipping around. And, I, I watched the – I was I – was, uh, very excited about having all those options to watch last night. Um, did you see in the pregame of the Monday night game though that they were doing the they were wrapping up on ESPN, and Steve Young is holding the ball and he's like, "I'm ready, I'm ready to go throw the football." And they're like, "What are you so excited about?" And at the end, he turns around and he throws a deep pass, and Jerry Rice is standing in the end zone and catches it. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. Nice, Young to Rice. How many times have you heard that? Uh, quite a few. Quite a few. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk to the general manager. David Poyle will be with us here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Uh, we'll see if there is going to be a slight change. Uh, Adam Vingan saying uh, from downstairs that perhaps Matt Irwin oh, could, okay, so there uh, could slide be a in on the third period. And that, that, that would not be for who? For Dan Hamuse, it looks like. I don't know if Hamuse is banged up uh, at all, but I think trying to get 
the third pair right is uh, is one area that they might look at. So maybe that would be the one minor change. So Pierre Maguire in the building tonight. Pierre Maguire is in the building tonight as the game is on NBC. All right. Uh, we'll we'll take a break and let me start it by telling you about Lee Company five six seven one thousand and here in at Bridgestone Arena I talk about a lot you'll see the Lee Company display they're a big part of our coverage on one zero two five the game and they're a big part of the coverage in our house uh, at the Donick residence because we're part of that home maintenance plan that we get the four annual phone calls to come out and service now and then if there are problems that arise we get discounts on repairs that need to be made and let's be honest over time and we've been in our house since 2000 stuff breaks down every now and then and so getting the discounts on those through lee company are important plus they also find the little problems before the big problems with the home maintenance plan so it's a system that works it's one that i recommend so give them a call at 567-1000 and get more information tell them you want to be part of the home maintenance plan you'll play us you'll pay a small monthly fee for those four annual checkups, your air conditioning, your heating, your electrical, and your plumbing systems. And you'll get discounts when repairs need to get made. They'll make those recommendations for you. LeakCompany.com is the website. They're a proud sponsor of Nashville Predators Hockey. And welcome back to Darren Donick and Chase here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. We're at Pete and Terry's Tavern, the Sobro entrance, and we are joined by Predators General Manager David Poyle. Our weekly chat starting today and they are going to be brought to you all season long by gary force acura and cool springs wine and spirits and david thanks for dropping by today it's uh hockey day in nashville so uh we've got the san jose sharks always a a tough uh tough game and we got to bounce back after our, our last game and they haven't won a game so this should be a good one tonight well that's kind of where i wanted to start because there are times where you you face a team and for whatever reason they're in, a, in one situation or other, sometimes you play a team that's won five in a row. Sometimes it's the opposite. And I would have to think that San Jose is going to be about as determined as you could be, as desperate as you could be four games into the season. Just they haven't started the way they wanted to. No, I feel the, the same way. Our coaches feel the same way, <laughs> and they've been trying to message that to the players just in case they didn't feel that, <laughs> feel that way. So, uh, you know, we, we always talk on the on the show. I mean, the, the league is so close. There's so much uh, parity. San Jose has been one of the better teams in the, in the National Hockey League for a lot of years. Very consistent team. They always find a way. I think uh, if you look at their start, I mean, they in their last preseason game, they had a suspension to Evander Kane. And then uh, the, the day of the, their first game, their top player, top defenseman, Eric Carlson's wife, goes into into labor. So, bang, you're down two, two of your top players right off the, the bat there. So, uh, again, I would expect their, uh, their A game tonight. And... Uh, Hopefully we'll bring our game tonight. And probably fair to say uh, through training camp and, and through the first two games, no disrespect to the Wild or the Red Wings, this is probably the deepest, talented, most talented team that the Predators have played so far. Um, yeah, I, I would say so. And, again, it's a, a rivalry. It's in our, and it's our yeah. con- conference, all of those those <clears throat> situations. So um, I, I would think, you know, historically, our, I, I believe our record is just a little over 500 against the, you know, San Jose. So I think that, you know, speaks – exactly what i'm saying that it's uh uh like i say i'm not i don't i can't and i wouldn't bet on hockey so uh (laughs) this should be a real good game tonight well one of the things that has jumped out in the two games so far your your team has shown a lot of offensive firepower which is how how they're sort of designed to to play and 
it seems like it's an adjustment. I heard Peter Laviolette, I think, say this yesterday in our group mm-hmm. to the National Sports Council. You can make adjustments. It's easier to make adjustments when you have maybe too much offensive push and you're looking to balance defensively than a team that is just really struggling night in and night out to get offense. Yeah, well, I love the fact that uh, uh, you know we're thinking more offense. So if you remember how the year ends, we sort of go over everything and you check off all the boxes. Defense, good. Goaltending, good. Penalty killing, good. Offense, we want more offense. We sign Matt Duchesne. We, we talk a lot about does this give us two top lines? Can we score more? So you have to realize that, you know, verbally, psychologically, whatever you want to say, we're, everybody's thinking more offense. And then the first two games, we put out a lot of offense and created a lot of chances, and it's just what exactly what we wanted to do. However, we probably didn't now go. We probably didn't check off all the other boxes there. We probably gave up a little bit more defensively than we wanted to, to give up. As to repeat what you said, as Peter said, that's a correctable uh, situation. So our players just need to be a little bit more conscious of when to go and when not to go and when to be safe and when to take some uh, risks. But all in all, I, I like the fact that we scored goals. I like the fact that we're getting lots of chances, and I don't want to lose that. Just hopefully we can uh, smooth that defensive part of our game out a little bit. It was interesting. Uh, I know throughout the, the training camp, they were looking at different combinations. Kyle Turris played some on the wing. They had Craig Smith uh, moving around some. They put Philip Forsberg with Matt Duchesne. But the line that has been intriguing in these first two games, especially on, on Saturday, was Kyle Turris, Rocco Grimaldi, and, um, and Callie Yarncroft. They, they really, you were wondering, how are they going to use those guys? They're, what's the, Where's the situation for them? But in the in the time they were out there on Saturday, they created a lot of chances. I agree with you, and uh, they they could have and should have probably been the, the difference in the game. I mean, uh, you know, poor Cali has just really been struggling, uh, you know, to find his his way to you know create some offense. Well, he's creating offense. He's just yeah, not been able to finish. To, yeah. He's just been able to finish. But again, being very bullish, or just think if we can get this more secondary or. Uh, What's the word? Third, thirdary, tertiary, tertiary, scoring. You know we, that we would be really a tough team to to play against. But I was really pleased with that. And you know if those guys can you know chip in the odd, odd goal here and here and there, boy, it'll be uh, it'll be a, a fun season for sure. Does Mikhail Granlin look more like himself to you so far? He, I know he has commented on just how comfortable he feels having started the training camp. He he's quietly he's not getting as much attention as Duchesne and obviously Forsberg always grabs your attention but as the third guy on that line he looks like he's he's playing very well yeah much much more I think the the whole thing was just overwhelming to uh, a young guy from a trade to the baby to fitting in his wife wasn't here his wife you know gets here the temporary head you know temporary residence if you will for them and it just was too much and I think he's had all summer to prepare to think about it to get a place to live here to get settled uh, for her, for the baby, for you know his whole family. So it's just way, way better. So it's you know started a training camp, and it's he, he is a really good player. which is really unfortunate for us and for him that you know he couldn't contribute uh, any more than he did last year at the end, and especially in the playoffs. But uh, it's a new year, and he looks really good. David Poyle, Predators general manager, here with us on Darren Donick and Chase, and I want to go back to something that you said with the offense and getting the secondary scoring out of this team. Uh, you know traditionally. You, you say, okay, well, that's a first line, second line, third line, fourth line. I feel like the way that the game is evolving, it's kind of going away from that, that right now this team has two top scoring lines. They have a third line that you know is a checking line but can also contribute as well. 
Is that a fair assessment that that's the way the game overall is going? Well, for us, that's the way we want it to go. I, I can only speak for us. Like, again, uh, with Detroit, uh, you know, a, a younger team, a little bit of a rebuilding situation. They've got the fantastic first first line, and you would have to think maybe they'll have a little bit more trouble with their second, third, and fourth line. So maybe the leg up that we have on at least some teams, hopefully a lot of teams, is that we have this 1A, 1B uh, combination, which we've never had before. We just have not had that uh, scoring scoring power, and it's it's hard, I think, in a in a cap world to get that many good you know players. Either you either you have four or five like we've had on defense for a lot of years, or you have it up front. But you, it's hard to have it in both places unless it, all the stars you know line up with you in terms of age and their salaries and all that. But you know, right now I like where our club is and what the, our threat is as as we come at different teams because. I would have to think, you know, with San Jose tonight is that they have to make a decision of how they want to play against us more in terms of who they want to match up. Uh, not that we don't have to think about that, but I'm actually feeling that we have an advantage of not being as concerned with the matchup as maybe San Jose has to uh, be with us. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Now, Willie, you've been talking to David a lot longer than I have, and I know that, you know, I've heard you say in the past of, You'd love to have a top-line center on this team. Well, now you have two. So so it's kind of worked out for you. Matt Duchesne, five assists in two games. It seems like he's fitting in. And, and the guys that I talk to say that not only is he fitting in on the ice, but he's a great locker room guy to have as well. Yeah, Matt's been great since day one, and I'll start as day one being in the summer when we were negotiating with him. Brought him into, uh, to Nashville, and I tried to tell him about the city, and he'll basically told me more about the city than I knew <laughs> so you know and then again he's, uh, he and his wife are great they, they they get the off ice part of it the community part of it uh, you know he's been with uh, three other teams now so I think he's got the maturity to know what to do what to say and uh, you know he wants to make this his, his last stop so uh, we're all for that and he's off to a great start on the ice so a really good addition to our club for sure. And you brought up the defense earlier. I, I, I've loved what I have seen so far out of Matias Ekholm, and I, I kind of pinpointed him as the one that he was already pretty good, had a career year last year, but with PK moving on, that he was the one that you could really see step up outside of Fabro. What have you seen out of Ekholm? Uh, I, I agree again. And, you know, maybe uh, the fact that, you know, Fabro is just a young player, and I don't think uh, Dante will be trying to rush the puck end to end or what have you, so he'll be more the steady stay back guy so maybe the roles have reversed here a little bit where you know pk was the one all over the place and and Eki really had to stay back and guard the house maybe it's vice versa this year and that's why you're seeing Eki maybe being a little freer uh to do different things got a big goal the other night and uh he looks really good so uh, uh good good for Eki and equally if not important good for dante fabro to be able to play with him now you know we were talking about this lineup and you know just how versatile it is Daniel Carr is somebody we haven't seen yet because of just the numbers game. But him being here, you signed him, you, you felt like that he was somebody that could really help this team as he's needed. How has he fit in so far, you know, going through training camp and now making this roster? Everything's good. The work ethic is there. Uh, it's along with everybody. Uh, you know, it just he just has to get his, his chance. And when he gets his chance, then he has, to, <laughs> he has to produce. So, you know, we've chosen him over a couple of guys that were regulars uh, for us last year and, Salamaki and, and Gaudreau, so that's hopefully gives him the confidence that we want to play a little bit differently, and I think he understands that and gets that. And you know, it's it's not going to be too long before he gets his his opportunity to play. And once again, it's the emphasis at the moment here is is on offense, and uh, he's a guy that's scored at every level except 
at the NHL level, and he's played, uh, been a top player at every level except the NHL, and uh, this this has got to be his time. One of the things that's been written uh, around the league is I, I know as you guys were getting it down to the last couple of cuts there, you had to have some concern. Guys like Mika Salamaki and Freddie Goudreau, they're NHL players, and you had to think, well, if I set, send these guys down, somebody could snap them up. But around the league, there's been very few teams that have gone out and grabbed people off the waiver wires. Does that surprise you a little bit? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you, you probably think your players are, in some, some cases, better than the other, other <laughs> players that are uh, available. And again, you, The guys you know, you're, yeah. you're more comfortable with, right? And our, and our players are very serviceable uh, players, albeit uh, third or fourth line guys, but also they have a minimum contracts, which could be attractive to different teams. But it's timing. Uh, I, I guess probably the saying goes is that uh, if you ever, at this time of year, everybody's fallen in love with their team. They all like what they all. Yeah. Everybody had a great training camp. Everybody likes their younger players, and um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what the opportunity presents itself again for either bringing them up here, or uh, other teams call us to to see what they what their value is and how they're playing in Milwaukee, and, and maybe they could get another another opportunity in the National Hockey League. But for the time being, it really gives us the, the depth, like you had said earlier, that we've never had before, and I'm really happy about that. That was something I know you have emphasized is, as you said, everybody probably likes and is optimistic at this time of the year, but you, I think, identified this a, a year or two ago. Hey, trying to build back that organizational depth is important, and I know in talking to Scott Nickel, he's really excited about the guys that, that he has with the Admirals right now. Yeah, I mean, the – the uh, the Predators have been a really a, a top club for the last you know several years, and because of that, we've traded away a lot of draft picks and, and younger younger players to play at the high level we have. So uh, it was really great last year when we had you know all, most of our drafts, the first two drafts, uh, uh, our first two drafts looked to be great. For example, uh, Tomasino got three goals and three assists the other yep. night, named the Player of the uh, of the Week in the OHL. So I mean that bodes really well for. You know the pipeline, and the same thing for Milwaukee. I mean, we have Daniel Carr as an extra forward right right now. We've got Sal Mackey and got drove down in Milwaukee. We've got players that have offensive abilities like Pitlick and Tolvin, and that you can bring up not to just to play the fourth line, but maybe to play in the top two lines if uh, that opportunity presents itself. So, you know, starting off the season, I feel like we're in really good shape here and in in Milwaukee. So we just have to play the games and see if the wins start coming in. <laughs> Before we let you go, I did want to ask you about Dan Lambert, adding an assistant to help with not only the power play but everything else, you know, offense as well. Just having a different voice in the locker room to talk to these guys that have been together for a long time for the most part. How important has that been to have have a new voice? Well, there was so much uh, said about our our power play uh, last year, and it was obviously in a negative uh, text all all the time. So it it really made tremendous sense to me and to to Lavi that we – you know, we give somebody else another opportunity. Uh, I think having another coach is, is sort of keeps us up with the other teams in the league that have seem to have more more coaches on the than we do. It's getting a little crowded on the bench, but uh, anyway, I think it, I think I think it's been really really good. And as you say, Dan has a different different voice. He's got new ideas. The players are very receptive to him. We saw one of the prettiest goals we ever saw in the power play the other night. And if we can see that about. 50 or 60 more times this year we'll be we'll be really really happy but uh, again we have the we have the players that can execute last year we just didn't execute dan's got the the ideas and uh i'm really feeling that we'll have a very good power play this year david thank you so much for coming by looking forward to these chats throughout the season okay guys thank you very much see you tonight all Thanks, right david. that's david Poyle, predators general manager his conversation with us is brought to you by gary force acura 
and Cool Springs Wine and Spirits. When we come back, more from Barrel House, Predators and Sharks tonight. This is 102.5 The Game. Our thanks to David Poyle joining us here on the show. But now, let's turn to some very important news for our staff. This is huge. We have an update from Smyrna. We do. Darren McFarlane, he of Darren, Donick, and Chase, under the knife this morning. The surgery is complete. Chase, what do we know? This comes via his wife, Lauren. Everything has gone as planned. He is out of surgery. Doctor said everything went well, and Darren is now in recovery. So... He's this in recovery. Uh, so would we would we say he is doubtful for tonight or out tonight? He is out. He is, he is out he tonight. Is, he is out tonight. Uh, Ryan Porras. So will we're not going to see like the the uh, you know the Willis Reed coming out of the tunnel last <laughs> minute <laughs> at five fifty nine on the crutch or something, or, or getting wheeled in like Paul Pierce. In the NBA Finals? Well, that would be epic. That Milkshake would be epic. in hand. Milkshake in hand. <laughs> Magical milkshake. That's not going to happen tonight? No, no. Uh, we, so we're not that optimistic. We are being told that he is out tonight. Okay. Uh, probably out tomorrow. Questionable for Thursday. That is that is okay. the that okay. is the early report. So, okay. But, hey, you never know. Darren is resilient and stubborn. So well, I don't know if I would say that, though. Is he really? He's stubborn. He, definitely stubborn. I, I would I would love to see him like say I can go, you know? <laughs> I can go I can I can I can be there. Doc, I got, I got Doc, it. Doc, give me the I clearance. Go. I'm good. Because remember the doctor, we had him on, yeah. and he said, "Hey, you know, some people walk out of here when they have the surgery." So I I want to see you know after he's had a couple hours, you know, see see if he responds. Well, it depends on how long it takes because, you know, the, the anesthesia and all that. How, how long does it take for that to wear off? And then, you know, what kind of pain? Is he going to be up walking around? But I'm with you. You know, if look, if he can power through, then, you know, Ryan's on standby. But I, I think he's going to be out tonight. Well, I, okay. I, I, and I was not expecting him to come in tonight. But <laughs> that I would feel, be pretty impressive. I feel like he should absolutely shoot for, for Thursday. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think he'll Full be go Thursday. Full go. I think he'll be back. Unless there's a setback. And let's hope there's not. Let's hope there's not a setback. All right. A- anything jump out at you from uh, David Poyle? I think right now we we have not seen anything through two games. And as, yeah. he's prepared, right? You know that your season is always going to take twists and turns at some point. Uh, for example, the Sharks, as he pointed out, have already had a couple twists and turns. They, they right. got Evander Kane suspended for bumping a referee in the last preseason game, he got three games. Right before the first game against the arch rival, Vegas, Eric Carlson's wife goes into labor, can't play right. that night. So they, they've they've hit they've been hit with a couple of these things. Nashville last year they got it in December, right? All of a sudden you're playing without Subban, Forsberg, Arvidsson, Turris. You know the, the story is well told. So every team has this to some degree. Uh, the Predators so far, you know, there's not a lot of big gnawing issues it's just a it's a matter of balancing offense and defense yeah i think right not getting it, too over exuberant going for it and against a team like the sharks you know they'll kill you if if you do that because all of a sudden you're going to have breakaways going the other way the odd man rushes were probably the one thing that uh peter laviolette was most concerned with after right. the game they didn't get as many odd man rushes because of the way detroit was playing and they allowed Detroit to counter them a few times. I get the vibe that, you know, he, like he said, that everybody loves their team right now, and he does, but 
you know, the the area he's going to watch is going to be defense because they they sacrifice some on defense to add on forward, which is what they needed to do. You, know, you bring in Duchesne, Subban is traded, but li- listen, you're you're going to miss a player like PK Subban. I mean, it's just it's very hard to replace that. And Dante Fabro is so young; he he's very much a rookie. He's going to be learning as as they go, and so that's I think. And they're so deep at forward, even in Milwaukee, they're not quite as deep at defensemen. You have Santini, you have Tenorti, uh, Davies is is there as well. So there are a few options, but I, I believe, uh, and we've you know seen the report from Adam Vengen that it looks like Matt Irwin could go tonight in place of Dan Hamuse. So I think that's an area he's looking at of, okay, there's going to have to be some guys to step up defensively uh, for this team. Two games in, I think they will do that. It's just going to take some time because you've uh, you've been spoiled for a while to have a player of the caliber of PK Subban that you no longer have. So uh, I think that this can be a big four again. It's just going to take a little time for Dante Fabro. Kevin Curse, who we know very well, covers the uh, Sharks for the Athletic. No Marcus, no Marcus Sorensen at the morning skate uh, for San Jose. So the Sharks get one left wing back in Evander Kane. They may have an issue with Marcus Sorensen, another left wing. So, once again, the things that the season throws at you at different times. Uh, a couple other notes around the league, as you may have seen yesterday, Evgeny Malkin and Nick Bugstadt, two yeah. centermen out for the Penguins for several weeks, right? They're saying maybe four to six weeks for Malkin, who, uh, you know, obviously is a tremendous weapon for them. So they're going to be up against it for a while. Uh, the Jets we talked about their issues on defense. They just lost another defenseman, Dmitry Kulikov, yep. a personal leave from the team. And so he's been designated as a non-roster player. So now you have five defensemen that they had last year who, for one reason or another, are we, not back with them. We still don't know everything going on with Buffalo. It's like status he, quo right yeah, now. He, it, no at no one new point, report. You know, and, and we should have brought this up. Well, he probably wouldn't have commented on it. But at what point with – a team, do you say, hey, listen, we get it. We respect you. You've done a lot for this organization, but we got to know. We got to know what you're going to do. Because uh, he's kind of got their hands tied right now. Because, yes, he's suspended and they're not paying him. He's not counting towards the roster, but you can't really go and make a move to replace him because then he might be like, hey, I'm ready to come back. Yeah, I, it's it's tricky. It's it's not enviable. And that's that's where some of the criticism has come for Bufflin, that if he had these feelings that he could have let them know in yeah. June or July right, so that they could have maybe prepared accordingly. It and there could, have, be, there could be a lot of this. And he might just say, about. look, I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like that until right. there could I got be, over here. There could be something going on that we, have, we know nothing about that you know, Shovel Day Off does, and you know, that's why he's being patient. But at the same time, I mean, you're, you're kind of holding – holding the team back a little bit by taking all this time now in the end of the regular season to make your decision. So, you know, I, I mean, again, you wish all the best for Dustin Bufflin and the, the report, the rumors are that he's contemplating retirement. At some point, you've got to make a decision. When we come back, we'll have more from Pete and Terry's. Remember, you can drop your name in the hat and you can win tickets for tonight. We have four pairs of tickets to, uh, to give away. On the show, on the station, you do not have to be present to win, but you can come by and have lunch if you like. Uh, Adam Vingen might be trying to throw an alias in there and, and try to get some tickets for some buddies of his. That's not going to fly. 
But uh, so we, we, we we're the watchdogs. We're looking yeah. out for the people here. There's <laughs> going to be no funny business here. But uh, we'll be back with more. And then Mitch Light will join us at high noon from Athlon, and we'll talk some college football with him. Stay tuned. We're coming back. We are back. Pete and Terry's Tavern. Willie Donick, Chase McCabe here with you. Don't forget to make your picks now off three college football underdog teams you think are going to win outright on Saturday. No points for a cover. Weekly winners win a pair of tickets to an upcoming Nashville sporting event or concert. Silly underdog picks presented by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Thursday, the guys will make their picks. Just go to thegamenashville.com or the ESPN The Game Nashville mobile app, and you can play silly underdog picks with us. We have corralled Adam Vingan here at Pete and Terry's, not letting him put an alias in the box for the free tickets tonight for the Predator <laughs> Sharks. Uh, Adam, we caught you red-handed, but you did have your alias uh, prepared, I noticed. Yes, Smokey Aoli. That's, that's my Smokey name. Aoli? Smokey Aoli. Smokey first name, A, middle initial, Oli, last name. <laughs> Smokey Aoli. I like it. Yes. So if, we, if that name or something similar to it, Chase, is we drawn draw out of the hat, yeah. we know we've got a problem. Yeah, we know that. We will move past that name. We'll, sell a rat. we'll smell a rat. I've got several first names, anything with a, anything that can be considered aioli. It can yeah. be that first name. So spicy aioli, yeah, whatever. Smoky, I'm hungry. spicy. I'm hungry now with the smells well, here in Pete and Terry's. Well, I was about the... to say, fortunately, you're, in, you're currently at an eating establishment. I so am. you could order some food if you so choose. Uh, Adam, the, you were at the morning skate, obviously. It was an optional skate, which is becoming more and more of a, a trend in the league. Uh but you suspect maybe one change for the Predators tonight other than uh, Pecorine yes. going back in goal? It appears that uh, Matt Irwin will make his season debut this evening uh, on the third defense pair with Yannick Weber in place of Dan Hamhuis. So that appears to be the lone change. And, of course, there are a variety of factors that lead to goals for and goals against when you're on the ice. But the third pair of Dan Hamhuis and Yannick Weber were dinged for three of the Predators' five five-on-five goals against through two games. Um, and it could have been four if not for Dylan Larkin hitting the post on Saturday evening. It would have been four of six in that, in, in that, in that regard. So I figured, and I'm sure a lot of people figured, that the third pair would be a weakness of the team this year, as, Willie, you were saying. Yeah. During uh, the break, you know, how many teams look at their third pair as a strength necessarily? <laughs> I mean, the Predators did. You know, for a while. At I'm one sh- point, uh, they had Seth Jones playing right. the third pair. They right? had Seth Jones as a fifth defenseman <laughs> at one point. So now he's a Norris Trophy finalist probably every year from now on through the rest of his career, or at least a candidate for being a Norris Trophy finalist. Um, but uh, with Dante Fabro graduating to top four duty uh, with the departure of P.K. Subban, you know, that, that third pair, whether it's Dan Hamhuis, Yannick Weber, Matt Irwin, you know, anyone that had an opportunity to play that pair, during the preseason, Jared Tenorti, Alex Carrier, whoever you want to mention, uh, if they get recalled from Milwaukee at some point. Um, you know, that's a pair that you're going to expect to drop off and play from just because of the caliber of defensemen above them in the lineup. And you're not going to ask a lot of them. They're not going to get a lot of ice time. You're just hoping for competent play. Yeah, you want steady play. Yeah, um, and through two games, it's been a little iffy. Uh, so why not shake it up? Matt Irwin once was a member of the Sharks. It, it, but I, I do feel like... There is going to be competition. Yes. There is going to be a bar that is set for those guys. And uh, I, I think at some point, it may not be this week or next week, but you know, I think they feel good about some of the guys coming up through 
the system, whether that be a younger player like Jeremy Davies or a veteran player like Jared Tenorti or even a guy like Santini. I think there are options there with the idea that, you know, let's create some competition to get what they need out of that. Yeah, and, you know, one idea if the third pair continues to be an issue is if you want to spread the defensive wealth a little bit, Dan Hamhuis played with Matias Ekholm in the first half of last season when P.K. Subban was out with injury for yeah. close to 20 games. Um, and I thought they played pretty well as a pair. Um, so if you want to put Dante Fabro on the quote-unquote third pair, to, as, I meant, as I said, spread the, the wealth a little bit, you can do that. But I'm not sure they're necessarily keen on that because I think – I, I like what I've seen from Matias Ekholm and Dante Fabro yeah. through two games, so I'm not sure they're, you know, itching to to separate them. But I mean, between the players that are currently on the roster in third pairing situations and the players that, as we mentioned, are in Milwaukee who have uh, experience at the NHL level or haven't had their big break yet, um, there there is competition, and the Predators have the option of calling somebody up just because they're carrying 22 players, so they don't have to necessarily, you know, make it a corresponding move to call somebody up. So that also helps them in that in that issue with that you, issue. You had some numbers through the first two games uh, on the forward lines, which look like they will be for a third straight game identical. Yes, um, and we're not wh- numbering those lines. We're because well, we can. <laughs> Peter might not want to, but we can. And I like, I th- you I like could probably debate which one is which one is which, yes. right? But uh, the the usage, though, yes. uh, that that's you 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 can't argue over that, right? You right. you've noted where they're starting, whether it's offense or defense. And if you will, let's let's give you the backdrop here. Expected goal percentage. Yes. What would be the easiest way for you to describe? <laughs> I was just having this goal per se. I was just yeah. having this conversation with Austin Watson, who thinks the whole thing is a, who, who, they think, who thinks the whole thing is a crock. But I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give well, it a shot. Well, these numbers, the precursors, the numbers are good. Yes, I'll give it a right shot. Now, so. so expected goal, expected goal percentage. If I'm explaining this correctly, is no the the percentage. So you have actual goal percentage, the number of goals scored versus the number yeah. of goals against. Whatever's the actual on, results, which yes. the only thing that counts in the standings are yes. these results. And right? What's on the scoreboard. Expected goals is an algorithm that detects that includes quality. So in terms, so expected goal percentage is based on the quality of chances that a team is creating and giving up. So yeah. if a so a, a, for example, if a if a if a line has an actual goal percentage of sixty percent, which means they're scoring what three fifths of the goals when they're on when they're on the ice, and their expected goal percentage is. 80%, yeah. which means that based on the quality that they're getting and giving up, they should really be scoring four-fifths of the goals on the ice versus three-fifths. So they'd be underperforming in that regard. Right. So that's basically the gist of it from my my terrible math explaining <laughs> Right. So, so let's, let's try to simplify no it. Yes. Right? And let's just put a basketball reference, right? An expected field goal percentage, right? Yes. If Steph Curry is shooting a wide-open three – Every time he shoots the ball, you would expect that he will hit a very high percentage. Right. But on a given night, he may not make as many as you think he's going to make. And by the same token, if he is getting, if he's shooting the entire night with a big time contested shot, a step or two behind the line, you would not expect his field goal percentage to be as high. But on a given night, he might hit the right. toughest shot that you can imagine. So it's, it's there's a little bit of that, but it's basically. 
what should happen based on the quality that you're getting. What are you getting offensively, and what are you giving up? So, with that in the backdrop, what are the numbers so far for, for the Predators? Well, you have them up. I don't have them up. Okay, so, so you tell me. All right, so uh, the Forsberg, Duchesne, Granite Line. This is going to pass the eye test. They're getting almost 75% of the expected goal percentage. Right. In other so, words, they are, they're, they're doing good things when they're on the ice, right. and they're getting the results to go with Right, it. so basically, you know, based on the quality of chances that they're generating versus the quality of chances that are being generated by the opposition when they're on the ice. You know, they, should be, they should be controlling 75% of the goals when they're on the ice. And, that, and, and I don't have their actual goal percentage in front of me. It's also, I think, fairly high. Um, but it, it speaks to what you're seeing, as Willie was saying. It speaks to what you're seeing on the ice, which is that line is doing a whole lot to generate some good chances. So that's just sort of – that's basically what it says. Is that you, You've seen that line through two games. They've looked really good in the offensive zone, and that sort of confirms – so that confirms that. And almost identical are the numbers of Ryan Johansson's line. And what's interesting to me is that that line hasn't popped to me, the Johansson, Smith, and Arvidsson line – Hasn't popped in the eye test. At, at, in the yeah. eye test has not popped to me the same way that the Duchesne line has. I feel like the Duchesne line with Granlund and Forsberg has j- developed chemistry quicker than Smith, Johansson, and Arvidsson. And there's no real algorithm for that. It's just right. based on. You but know, that's what a coach has to balance, right? right? That yeah. eye test versus what the numbers are telling. Right. So I mean, I, I think that you they know, produce though they they have. I mean, I think they've. I like the idea of Craig Smith on that line, but you know, he's playing his off wing for the first time and. He's playing with two guys that have a lot of experience playing together, so you know it, there is an adjustment there. It seems Forsberg has taken to his new line mates quicker than Craig, Craig has, but it's still only two games. Um, so when when I look at when I look at that line, I, I mean, when one of the other things I tracked as well is just this is easy to explain the ice time of each line five on five through two games, and there seems to be a hierarchy emerging with the Duchesne line. Number one, followed by the Johansson line, followed by the Benino line, and then followed by the Turris line. So if you're numbering the lines based on ice time, it would be Duchesne one, Johansson two, Benino three, Turris four. Um, but one thing you have to keep in mind situationally is Johansson and Arvidsson kill penalties. So yeah. that, that kind of, and for, excuse me, Duchesne and Granlin do not. So that sort of eats into that ice time because they've got to come off the ice. They might put that Duchesne line right back on at the end of the penalty to give Johansson and Arvidsson a breather before they go back out. Mm-hmm. So with that caveat in mind, it appears that if you're looking to number the lines through two games, the Duchesne line based on ice time is the top line, quote-unquote. Yeah, and I, you, know, you were talking about competition earlier. I, I think it is a little bit of a friendly competition between those two lines right now because – and that's what we want to see because they're, they're trying to generate more of that secondary scoring as we heard so much last year. But having Forsberg – split from from Johansson and Arvidsson putting him with Duchesne that's created more opportunity and then Granlin is playing his game and then also the what is it the Josa line now is <laughs> that what we're calling it that with doesn't Johansson bring, Smith roll and off the tongue is well, we'll have to come up with something else I'm sure you know the, the the one line that's been interesting to me is the is is Kyle Terrace's line because yeah. that line I thought was really good on Saturday night and the numbers back. I think that it's up. the best game Terrace has played in a long time. Yeah, I, I really I have actually been quite impressed with Kyle through two games. I mean, we spent all we spent all summer wondering whether or not he was going to come back and and be able to contribute the way that he's known to do. 
Um, the one thing I'm curious about, though, is you know, if for the third consecutive game, he'll have Rocco Grimaldi and Cali Yarncroak on his wings. You know, Kyle has done a lot to help generate offense. I think of that chance he had on Saturday night where he was on the right, right boards with the cross-ice pass to Yarncroak in the left circle. Yarncroak wasn't able to score on it. That was a really great pass by Kyle. I would like to see Kyle play with wingers. If he's going to be at center, I would like to, I would like to see Kyle play with some wingers that might have, more, some, might have more finishing ability than the ones he has now, based, just based on the way the lines are. You know, there really aren't anybody. There really isn't anybody else for him to play with other than Rocco and Cali. But I would like to see. You know, I would like to see Daniel Carr get a shot in the next yeah, couple games. It's an interesting thought because uh, I think there's competition, right? Yeah. There's if you're going to use that line the way they're using it, it's not a, a line that's going to rough and tumble. No, it's right? A, it's, it's almost a line exclusively that, offensive line. Right. It's so it'll be an offensive line that you would say will be tough for the other team's fourth line to match up. Right. So they have that's favorable an matchups. Yes, that's an and advantage. And so they, sure. if they can finish a little higher percentage, you got you really got something. There. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm. You know, that line. I think I looked it up. They've started 11 of their 17 shifts in the first two games. In the uh, in the offensive zone, like they they're either starting in the offensive zone or the neutral zone. You're never going to start that tourist line in the defensive zone. Right. So they're not a line that you're going to rely on, you know, after you know for a defensive zone faceoff. But just like you said, Willie, with the fact that they're going to have favorable matchups just based on the, the offensive zone percentage, based on the fact that they're going to be playing third and fourth lines and third D pairs probably. You know, if you can find a player or two, or if Rocco and Cali can step up and, and have more finishing ability, that line can really take advantage of those opportunities. But through two games, um, you know, I would like—I would like—I haven't seen. I mean, they've had—they've been good in generating. I'd like to see some more finish. Adam, thanks a lot for stopping by. We will see you tonight. All right, and thanks, and uh, if Smokey Aoli stops by, let him know he's going <laughs> to win those tickets. Okay, well, we we will. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the Peter Parker is never in the same place, or, you know, Spider-Man. Peter, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Mitch Light joins us from uh, here at Pete and Terry's Tavern here in just a moment as we move past the halfway point. Predators and Sharks tonight. Stay tuned. This is ESPN 1025, The Game.